Welcome once again to this week's podcast. We'll be hearing a great story from the book of Acts and a wonderful hymn called You Raise Me Up. And we'll be learning, I hope anyway, learning about what it means to have friends who can be with you in the darkest times and lift you up. Seems like a good theme for these days, doesn't it? Friends who can be with you in dark times and lift you up. So let's share together in our call to worship. May the love of God be with us as we come into this place. Christ is Alpha and Omega, Christ the source of all our grace. May each one of us here, gathered in this holy space, know that Christ shall be our host through the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the love of Christ we gather. In the name of the love of Christ we pray. Amen. So today's scripture reading is from the book of Acts, the very first chapter, verses 6 through 14. And it's the story of what happens when Jesus goes away from the disciples and descends into heaven, and they return to Jerusalem. Listen to this story from the first chapter of the book of Acts. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. The men said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they all returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. It was Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, and also with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Today's hymn is a simple but beautiful song called You Raise Me Up. It was originally composed by our Norwegian-Irish duo called The Secret Garden. The music was written by Rolf Loveland and the lyrics by Brendan Graham. And then it became a big hit when Josh Groban did it in 2003 and later the Celtic Women in 2004. So today's hymn is You Raise Me Up. And it's a song all about how there are some influences in our life that make us greater than we really are. down and oh my soul so weary when troubles come and 
my heart burdened be Then I am still and wait here in the silence Until you come and sit a while with me You raise me up so I can stand on mountains You raise me up to walk on stormy seas I am strong when I am on your shoulders You raise me up to more than I can be There is no life, no life without its hunger Each restless heart beats so imperfectly But when you come and I am filled with wonder Sometimes I think I glimpse eternity Sometimes I just love music. There are certain thoughts and feelings 
that can only be expressed through music for me. I know that's not the case for everyone, but once in a while, a piece of music can say what I really want to say much better than words. And today, this piece of music is talking about how important it is when you run across someone who can lift you up and make you better than you are, who can lift you up to be more than you can be. And we all know people like that. I've had a lot of people like that in my life. And today's scripture passage is a little bit about that because it's from the book of Acts. And let's set the scene in the first chapter of Acts of what's happening. Jesus and the disciples are out on a hill, a mountain near Jerusalem. And Jesus is taken up into heaven. But before he goes, the disciples ask him, is this the time? Is this the time when the kingdom of God will come to earth? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that God has set by his own authority. They can't know what the future will bring. They can't know for sure even what tomorrow will bring. But you will receive the power of God's love, the Holy Spirit, and you will have each other because you will be witnesses to the whole world. So then what happens? My favorite part of this passage is after Jesus goes up into heaven, they're still staring up after him and they're not sure what to do next. And then a couple of messengers come and say, why are you still looking up to heaven? Jesus will come back the same way you saw him go. So then, after they've stood there and gaped up into the heaven for a while, they go back to Jerusalem. And where do they go? They go to the same upper room where they were staying in the city of Jerusalem. And who all is there? Well, you've got the 11 disciples. Remember, by this point, Judas Iscariot has killed himself. So you've got the 11 disciples. You've got Mary, the mother of Jesus. You've got some other women there with him, and also Jesus' brothers. And they're all together in that upper room because that's a familiar place to them. So set the theme for a minute and see how familiar this scene seems to us in this day and age. They cannot know what the future will bring. They have no idea what will happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. They're totally in the dark about what the future will be like. They're isolated in a room all together, an upper room in this case, and they're with people they trust, people they trust and love. Sounds pretty familiar, if you ask me. And sure enough, they have what they need. Let's begin today, when we set this scene, to understand a little bit about who these guys were. There were 11 of them left, as we know, since Judas Iscariot is gone. And every one of them is as different from the other as day is from night. Peter, the one known as Simon Peter, or Rock, Cephas the Rock, he was the natural leader and eventually became the head of the church in Jerusalem, but he was also a man of great passion and evidently a man of great fear because when push came to shove, he denied Jesus three times until he was reinstated by Jesus. Now, Andrew was a much shyer person than Peter. He was an early disciple of John the Baptist. He was present with his brother John. They were called the sons of Zebedee or the sons of thunder, and they were present when uh, John the baptizer said, Behold the Lamb of God, and pointed to Jesus. So they were steered toward Jesus from their particular rabbi, John the baptizer. And Andrew, who was so excited, 
He went and told other people the same things that had happened. He wanted them to know about Jesus. So although he was quieter than Peter, he was certainly an evangelist. Now, James is the elder brother of John, James and John, and he's quieter than his brother John as well. We don't really know too much about him except that he was part of the inner three, the ones who were permitted to be along with Peter and John when Jesus raised a woman from the dead, when he was transfigured on the Mount of Olives, and when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying by himself. He asked those three to go with him, Peter, James, and John. Now we get to John. Now John is known as the disciple Jesus loved, and he's in the scripture more than any of the others. He is also a prolific writer. How much of the New Testament he wrote is in a little bit of doubt, but he certainly wrote a gospel, and he may have written letters, and he may have even had a hand in pointing out the revelation that we have as the last book of the Bible. All of these brings him as one of the closest friends of Jesus. As a matter of fact, when he is there at the cross, as Jesus is crucified, it is Jesus who looks down, sees Mary, his mother, and says to her, this is your new son, and says to John, his beloved, this is your new mother. They were very close. Now, Philip is also an evangelist. He was one of the first ones that Jesus came to, and when he saw him, he said this was the person that could really become an evangelist. And he had a heart for evangelism. He was the one who went to tell Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, the one foretold of Moses had come. He was also the one who met with the eunuch in the book of Acts and uh, proselytized the uh, eunuch, to, the Ethiopian eunuch, to make sure he knew about Jesus and even baptized him. Now, Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, has, Nathaniel, has a number of different names. He expressed some local prejudice about Nazareth at one point. Can anything good ever come from Nazareth? But Jesus thought very highly of him. And when he first met him, he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. That's pretty much all we know about Bartholomew or Nathaniel. He doesn't appear very prominently in the rest of the scriptures. Now, Matthew we know a little bit about. He was a tax collector, the most despised person in all of Israel, because essentially he worked for the Romans, and the Romans were despised. And in addition to which, as a tax collector, as we learned from the story of Zacchaeus, he used to skim money off the top. That's how tax collectors made their money. They weren't paid anything. They were expected to take some of the proceeds from the taxes and thereby make their own living. So Matthew was different than the others and certainly a, a very educated man and also the author of one of the Gospels or at least a narrator of one of the Gospels. And then we have Thomas, sometimes called Doubting Thomas or Didymus the twin. Uh, Doubting Thomas was a person who asked the questions that most of us would ask. He was not afraid to ask those things that others did not want to ask. Now we get into James, the son of Alphaeus. Sometimes he was known as James the Lesser or James the Less. We know his mother's name is Mary. We learn that in the Gospel of Mark. We know he has a brother named Joseph. Except for his family, we don't know too much about him. Maybe that's why he's referred to as James the Less. Or he may have been shorter. We're not really sure. But we don't find out too much about him. And he's not very prominent in the rest of the scriptures. Next we have Simon the Zealot. Simon called the Zealot must have been a political activist in his younger years. Thus they called him the Zealot, 
the zealot was a particular sect of Judaism that wanted to overthrow the Roman government. And yet, in his time with Jesus, he became an apostle. He became a man of fierce loyalty to Jesus. Last but not least of the 11, we have the other Judas. Now, don't get confused here. This is not Judas Iscariot. This is Judas, the son of James. He's also known as Jude or Thaddeus or Labius. Judas doesn't come up very much. He only asks one question of Jesus in the book of John. Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the whole world? He seemed really concerned with this question. Why can't Jesus just tell the world about him? And actually, we learn later, the reason why that doesn't happen is Jesus wants us to tell the world about himself. So here you have this, what else can we say, but this motley crew of people who were very different. And yet, and yet, just like the song in our hymn today suggests, they are the ones who lift each other up. Although they are incredibly different, and there's not much that would have brought them together, per se, as a group of 11, except for the love of Jesus. When they came together and push came to shove and things got really difficult and Jesus is called up into heaven, what's the first thing they do? They go back to a familiar location, the upper room. They spend time together and the scripture text tells us they were constantly devoting themselves to prayer and being together. They have been given what they need to change the world. They have been given what they need to go through this difficult time where they're in isolation at first, where they simply have one another, where they cannot know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day after that. They're in the dark about the future, but they're not in the dark about the love each of them has for each other. They've been through about two and a half to three years of ministry together. And that has drawn them so close that when this moment comes and their rabbi, their risen savior is taken up into heaven and they might have just stood there for who knows how long and gaped up into heaven. Instead, they go back to the upper room and there they all spend time together in prayer, lifting each other up. It is so true, the words to this song. You can raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You can raise me up so I can walk on stormy seas. I'm strong when I'm on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. I love that line. You raise me up to more than I can be. Certainly the disciples lifted each other up to more than they could be because who would have ever predicted a crew like this, so different, so at odds with one another, from so many different backgrounds, would come together and just the 11 of them in conjunction with the women that they worked with, with Jesus's mother, with the brothers, they changed the world. And we're here today because of it. So I've got to ask myself during this time in which I don't get to know the future, what will happen tomorrow with this pandemic? I don't know. What will happen a week from now? What will happen a month from now? Will there ever be a normal or will there ever be a new normal? I don't know. It's not for me to know. I don't know. I can listen to all the newscasts. I can listen to every governor and every president speak to us about what's going to happen all around the world. And no one really knows. It has been politicized within an inch of its life. And even if you pull it out of politics, 
Even the scientists can't completely agree of what the world will look like. Just like the disciples, just before Jesus left the earth, they want to know what's going to happen. Is this the time for the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know. They don't know. Well, we're in that same boat. I know I am. I don't know what the future is going to bring, but I do know something that the disciples learned. I have what I need to face that future. I have the powerful love and spirit of Christ. That I've always had. It was a gift given to us. And in my time of prayer and in my time with my closest friends, often that spirit manifests itself. Oh, it isn't anything so outlandish or otherworldly. It comes in little ways. The Spirit of God gives me strength to face tomorrow, to face next week, to face an uncertain future. I do not know what our world will look like, but I know that God will already be there waiting for me. And perhaps today, the lesson is even clearer about who will walk with me. I will have these friends, the certain kind of friends, sometimes their family, Sometimes they're a spouse. Sometimes they're a child or a parent. Sometimes they're really good friends. Somebody you can count on. You know, there are many ways in which friends connect during this period of isolation. Zoom has become more popular than ever, and Messenger, and Facebook, and all the social media. There are just things we cannot do without our friends. And so we reach out in new technological ways, but we still reach out. And when we do so, we find those very friends, just like the disciples in the upper room, the ones on whom we can stand on their shoulders and we are stronger. The ones, when they're with us, we feel like we can conquer a mountain or walk on a stormy sea. The ones who raise us up to be more than we can be. We know those friends, and that's why we reach out to them. So my friends, we have been given what we need, the powerful love of God in the Spirit of Christ and these amazing kinds of friends and supporters who will lift us up so we are more than we can be. Do not fear the future, for the future will have God's Spirit in it. Do not fear the walk into the future, because we will walk together arm in arm and hand in hand with these friends who raise us up to be more than we can be. Let's pray together. Lord, on that day so long ago, when the disciples were gathered in the upper room, they had experienced your death, your resurrection, and your post-resurrection teaching. They had experienced you being lifted up into heaven, and they weren't sure what was going to happen next, and it was not for them to know. But you gave them what they needed. You gave them the power of your love in your spirit, and you gave them these friends, these support groups that could lift them up and make them more than they could be. Thank God for how much you know us. Thank God for how much you love us. Thank God for how much you give us just what we need to face this uncertain future. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, this podcast has come to an end, and I will continue to offer them every week. I hope you'll join us when you can. The best part about the podcast is you can listen to it anytime. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. It can be anytime you choose. 
I have heard so many great stories about the ways in which people are using the podcast, and you are welcome to it, and you are welcome to share it with anybody you like. And now, as we depart, let me offer this benediction. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rains fall soft upon your fields. And may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God will hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Amen. My friends, the service here is ended. May we go in peace. Amen.